0: Welcome to Bark to Reality, the podcast that aims to open up classical music to a wider audience. For copyright purposes, there will be no music played in this podcast. However, there will be a Spotify playlist to accompany this uh, series. The accompanying show notes. And details of the accompanying Spotify playlist can be found on the accompanying blog, which will be at barktoreality.wordpress.com. Okay, it's been a while since I last broadcast anything on this podcast but the first thing I want to say is that although the Glyndebourne Opera Festival has been cancelled this year completely it is now available on YouTube on the Glyndebourne Opera YouTube page and they are publishing a new opera every Sunday evening at 5pm for the foreseeable Future and I believe this evening's performance is the marriage of Figaro. Um. So. I am joined. On the podcast this time around. By, somebody who's now giggling. Alessia, my wife. As we have been having. Stop. So, I'm going to start off by setting the scene of a conversation that I had years ago. So, I walked into a busy, noisy warehouse at quarter to six in the morning and heard nothing but machinery working at the time and as was often the case the radio would come on about quarter past six after we'd done handovers and team briefings and things and the radio that we used to have on invariably when I first started working in warehousing was 80s radio that then changed a few years later to GEM 106 now to clarify that um, GEM 106 stands for the Great East Midlands it is anything but great if you've ever listened to GEM 106 it is basically the same playlist of loud, cheesy pop that he played on every um, commercial radio station in the country. Um, I believe the same as Heart in the uh, in the south and Capital FM. I think was the same thing at the same at one point. And- So after criticising the music several times in the same hour I was asked what would I be playing instead. And then the radio got switched off for some reason as it often did. Turns out that if you are playing public licensed music in in any setting for more than four hours at once you get charged about £3,000 for a public le- uh, public performance licence so therefore most employers will only play it for three and a half hours at once um, although the exact timings on PPL may be different so don't quote me on that one I know that the last time I applied for a, PP- uh, a public performance license, a PPL, was in 2009 and it was for a totally different purpose. So the pricing structure was completely different. Um. So what I used <coughs> to do at that point was plug speakers into my laptop and start playing Classic FM. And bizarrely, the um, productivity rate of those around me went up ridiculously. Because they found that rather than it being music to keep them going, it was music that actually relaxed them and got them working a whole lot better. So, I was then asked, so if you listen to this stuff all the time, what do you listen to when you're in the gym and what do you listen to in the car and the question what the answer to the question was basically different variations of the same thing I had a playlist for every occasion so really there were totally different um, moods totally different situations occasions things that I needed to prepare for if I had a big meeting I would play something uplifting but building so it would like lead into a moment and get me riled up Um, if I was working I would play something um, either fast tempo to keep me moving or something calming depending on what I was doing while I was working. Um, So that leads me into this episode really of um, music for different occasions and music that different people would listen to in different occasions what would you listen to if you were um, exercising?
1: Actually, that wouldn't be classical music. I do there have a playlist for running, which is a mixture of very high-tempo worship songs like Hillsong United and Phil Wickham, and that kind of stuff, or like indie stuff. And stuff like The kind of stuff you dance to in a way that will kind of give me the rhythm for dancing and running or whatever it is that I would be doing as exercise.
0: That makes sense. Um now I was thinking this the other day while I was walking in the park. (coughs) Because I would have a Probably a high tempo but then I would curate a playlist depending on different parts of the exercise. So if I needed a boost at some point I would play something more um, uplifting but not necessarily as high tempo. But then if I needed something like I would say going into a sprint, but you know that I never sprint anyway. (laughs) If I sprint, it would be like a herd of elephants running. So that's you could go with uh,
1: the riding on the Valkyria there.
0: Yeah, yeah, I believe that is in my in my workout playlist actually. At one point, depending on um, the the area, so I would probably start off with something like Chariots of Fire to start off slowly but then finish with that as well because that's quite an uplifting thing to finish with Mm. although I think actually the other day when I was in the the park walking I was listening to um, Planets because it gives me a bit more interest it starts you in different places and has more kind of uplifting parts at certain points and then high tempo at other points and each different piece will give you different feelings and different um, tempos so you can keep going in different ways and um, But then something like Four Seasons is rubbish for exercising because it's all kind of flowing and relaxing kind of Mm -hmm. mood music completely. So it gives you a completely different mood. Um, But then depending on there I would say that the planet suite would give you <coughs> every mood in the same in the same in the same piece because obviously going into a big sort of political meeting I would say that that, that Jupiter was always one of the ones I would I choose Jupiter for most things to be fair mm. because that is like my total number one of, of everything, every choice mm-hmm. um, but then there are so many different angles to the entire piece and the entire suite that <coughs> it can keep you going through all kinds of different um, different feelings, different moods, different activities. Then you've got...
1: Can I make a point? That's also the kind of emotions we're going through, we can project them on the music.
0: Yeah. I would say, actually, that no matter how many times I listen to a piece, Especially something like Jupiter or Mars, for example. I find different things in it every time I listen to it. I don't know how it happens, but I notice something different every time I listen to that piece. Um, Likewise with Elgar's Cello Concerto, same thing happens with that one, I can listen to it several times and see different areas of it every time I listen to it, which seems odd because normal, normal normally other kinds of music wouldn't have that effect. Especially given the fact that most of it will be like two, three minutes, four minutes at the most long, and you play it from one to the, and it's normally so repetitive that you can't see anything other than the the repetition of what's happening, but in things like, um, especially a full orchestral piece. You quite often notice more things than are going on. And I find as well, if you're watching it live, you're focused on different parts of the orchestra and you'll notice things that they're doing, but you won't notice other things and then the next time you watch it, you'll see it from a different angle entirely. Mm. I know you don't have that kind of effect because you...
1: That's not necessarily true. I'm a percussionist, so I do pay attention to what they're doing because I know how they're reading the music and how that feels like to be on the side of the person being on the stage.
0: I can see that actually because you don't sit still. So <laughs> that kind of bouncing about with the drum is kind of, yeah. That, I, mean, I, can
1: I can understand that.
0: Um. And well, yeah, yeah. Xylophone, I, I guess, kind of works the same way.
1: Mm. It does fall under
0: the questions. Well, it does, yeah. But it's kind of that bounciness Yeah. Um. So. What would you listen to to relax? And Gila um
1: so many things, so well uh in general, I tend to be more attracted to piano soloists than mm. full orchestra music, so they tend to be a bit more mellow and relaxed uh, as a s- general thing. Yes, there are a few notable exceptions where you would have a soloist playing something with a bit more vigour but usually mm. the the accents are something that come from different instruments than the piano so they tend to be more slow and mellow and quieting or otherwise which is probably like a repetition of a theme since most of them are played on an organ would be hymns but like in, in some mm. religious hymns and there might be something psychological there as well so obviously Because they're linked to the liturgical calendar, you would Mm -hmm. have different moods in different hymns. But at the same time, a lot of them would be put in a setting that is quite conducive to prayer. And because I would have listened to them more frequently in a setting where that was the goal, then even if I were to hear something like that on the radio, my first instinct would be,
0: to relax mm. I remember not long ago actually I tweeted that I was listening to a specific album on, on the way to work and the composer responded to the tweet and said I love the fact that you are relaxing to my music but Please be careful if you're driving. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Obviously, in the past, when I was driving to work at stupid o'clock in the morning, um, I wouldn't be listening to anything too relaxing. I would probably be playing something to wake me up at that time in the morning. Mm. Um, But then... Going back to a conversation that we had a few weeks ago about um, a Desert Island Discs episode that I remember. Um, The Beethoven's Emperor Concerto, number five. Again, quite a long piano piece. Um, the person in question the great lady Baroness Thatcher um, often said that she used to play that when she went to her country retreat because she could just relax and get away from things and that again is another one that I listen to and, and find different things about it every time I listen to it which considering it is a lengthy piano piece um, the fact that you find different areas of the music, even when it's only one or two instruments playing at the same time, is quite different, because normally you, that only really happens when you are listening to full orchestral pieces.
1: Um yes I know because I mean at the end of the day you have a lot of octaves on the scale that you mm-hmm. can play with and the tempos the changes in what you mix together and everything kind of create it's like not an accident that you have different mo- I wouldn't know what the English word for it like modes of playing that they all have names related to and mood
0: hmm yeah, yeah that's true um what about studying what would you listen to when you study
1: uh I have a specific playlist from a specific um player that is well known and should not be named in case we kind of get into copyright issues, I'm not sure, can I name it? Um, and it's mostly made up of soundtracks from different films and they're all not too exciting but also not something that's going to make you fall asleep and tend to be all instrumental so that you're Mm. not getting distracted by the text being sung and that really
0: works on focusing. I mean, that is probably a whole episode that we can do in the future about film scores, because I know that you did say that you were quite amazed by just how much people recognised film scores as classical music.
1: Well, no, it wasn't the, uh, in fact, it was kind of like the opposite thing. It was that a lot of people in my experience, don't seem to think of classical music while they would say that they like the music from this or that film, and then you're just kind of like, yeah, but if you, if I tell you, do you listen to classical music, you're going to think, or oh, you're someone who just, like, listening to Debussy mm-hmm. on end like, um, Edward Cullen in, um, Twilight, and I'm just kind of like, no, actually, classical music is really, like, all around you. If you're mm-hmm. watching a film, that score would very much likely be a full orchestra playing and so people don't recognise it is classical and they just assume classical is kind of like the thing that posh people go to listen to in the concert hall and not something that they actually are listening to when they're playing video games or watching a film
0: and actually that was the whole basis of the first episode of this podcast was all about how classical music is all around us in sport, video games, which again could be another episode that we do. In well, a couple it could be an time. episode
1: that I do because I, as far as I know, you're not quite as knowledgeable about video games as I am.
0: In fact, there is, I don't know if it's still on at the minute, but there was a few months ago on Classic FM on a Saturday evening, an entire series dedicated to. Um, video game scores Um, hosted by a um, a composer who just did video game scores Um, yeah I mean film film scores he's a big a big thing in in classical music as is video games, and actually there are now video game awards just for music. Um, And yeah, whilst I'm not entirely sold on playing video games, the music behind them is quite... um, (coughs) is is quite... um, quite moving because there's there was quite um quite a lot of grandparents were watching their grandchildren playing video games and then picking up on the music and then the music's actually been um a lot of it is scored specifically for the games but then some of it (coughs) is taken from um from other areas and then reproduced mm. but yeah it, it's that's a completely different um, side to that industry that people don't really re- recognise that much a lot of people think the video games is either geeks set in computer labs like a lot of the people that I was at university with or People who just sit in rooms with expensive setups playing games at night, or in some cases, just people playing Xbox games.
1: Yeah, mm. um, oh, like the female gamers who have like their streams.
0: Yeah.
1: I should start one.
0: I've never quite understood that idea, but. Yeah. Me neither, but. Um but yeah it's there 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 again that's that's probably um a a completely different episode that we can do in the future um wh- I guess actually, whilst I was finishing my degree it was around about the time that I started listening to classical music more, and it was probably the fact that I was getting stressed out around exam time and it was helping me to focus on what I was doing (coughs) Um, because yeah computer labs at university are basically full of people with headphones on there is no noise in there at all it's just people with headphones on listening to their own music Um, and six years later from where I started at the beginning of this episode um, I've come full circle because now I finish late nights with young people having a disco while they're filling shelves often to music that was released 5 to 10 years before they were even born mm. which just highlights the fact that none of them actually like the music that's around now
1: well, I mean, I can name very few people who have written music after I've actually been born that I actually like. It's not that many.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I would, I would probably agree with that one. There's probably, although there are quite a few contemporary composers at at the minute that are writing and. Writing and performing their own music a lot of the time. And somebody asked for a different, a a variation, if that's the right word, between, probably, no, differentiation between contemporary music and classical. And I think the main difference is the focus on the person who wrote it rather than the person who's performing it. Um, Although there are many um, classical performers who are famous in their own right for performing the music, I think the the main difference is the focus on the composer rather than on the performer.
1: Mm. I might be completely off on this one, but I think that for contemporary classical music, that is where the line blurs. Because yes, it is true. Like people like Bach perform their own music, but um, we not don't remember him as someone who played, and we have so many versions played by someone else that mm. are famous in the rights of the person who played it, as much as the person who composed it. For contemporary composers, now you have them. Doing both things at the same time more commonly than mm. in the past, when you would write music knowing that everybody else was going to play for it and mm. play it. And a lot of composers would never have uh, set foot on the stage to perform it themselves. And there were two different roles. So now you're I uh, you go to a concert, Ludovico Naudi would be playing his own music. And so do yeah. other people that are composing yeah. nowadays. And it's similar to kind of like contemporary music in general, where you look at the person who's composing rather than um who's playing rather the person who's com composing so a lot of people play music that was not written by them
0: and almost nowadays you'd be I think you'd be hard pushed to find people that would play other people's music because. They wouldn't be earning much money from doing it because they'd have to pay the person who wrote the, wrote the music.
1: And to be fair with the way that we are not buying music nowadays there's not much money in music in general mm. I think the biggest money selling would be uh sorry money making would be soundtracks
0: yeah yeah the uh The, the shift is now on streaming rather than um physical. Um, physical media of of music, so I think it it. Although a lot of the time you're paying. Streaming services.
1: They don't pay that much to the d- mm. There's been like big scandals about how much money people get from, streaming services.
0: Which makes people question really what. You're paying for. What you're paying for and. I, also, is it really worth going into the music industry in this day and age, mm.
1: well.
0: unless you are just doing it for the love of playing? Mm.
1: In in the case of for the person paying, I guess that because you would have theoretically access to a lot more music than you're actually going to be consuming, and especially if you're like me, who's consuming like over and over just the same like few things, mm. you kind of divide that amount of money over a ridiculous amount of sources and and so if people tend to use them in a way of kind of like oh let's see what br- gets brought up by the algorithm then they're very likely only u- listening to one song once and listening to a lot of songs and therefore if the streamer isn't paid on number of pe- or times some song has been listened to then they need a lot more people before they achieve any high number of streams. While I probably have given a good 100 streams each for every song I have on my list, Mm -hmm. or probably more.
0: So, an awful lot of what you listen to is worship music in the first place. So, would you consider any of that to be classical?
1: Uh Yes. N- not... Um, I tend to have, like, traditional hymns, more so kind of like Advent kind of season, um, while more contemporary stuff most of the rest of the time. And... Uh, but, yeah, then may, in many cases it's like modern redoing of things that were actually composed as a classical M and other mm. things would span across all genres you have more pop more um, even like electronic and some stuff that you like more folk depending on, on who's the author but um, worship music uh, as a genre uh, would tend to be uh, the modern kind, despite the fact that, strictly speaking, worship would in- encompass traditional hymns, like the one that you would have had when you were in the choir. N- yeah. That's not what would you would mean if you're speaking of worship music that would be qualified as classical music. Because, yeah, like, it would be sacred music if you really wanted to, to be specific about it because of, of the topic of it. And um, but it's something that you lis- easily find on, on classical music radios so that's part of like, the passion that people consider when they think of classical
0: mm. and I guess there again it's the fact of the emphasis being on the person who wrote it or composed it rather than the, um,
1: the person playing
0: the person playing So the worship playlist that you put on first thing in the morning is mainly.
1: You have a lot, that's a lot of times many contemporary stuff. Yeah, when you have a lot, also when now you're talking about the idea of who's composed what, you find a lot of times people are singing other people's songs in, in that space. There are some. Th- Songs that are like classics where you would find about eight different versions because everybody mm-hmm. who is like a famous worship leader will have an album in which they have a cover of that song to yeah. the point that you sometimes don't actually realize which one is the original because they all come out all like in similar times, so you really need to dig deep to work out who's actually written this one. But yeah,
0: yeah, and there again, sacred music will be another episode that we do together. Possibly so. Yeah. Well, once again, an episode
1: that I could have by myself. (laughs) Well, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, indeed. Um, Well, I think we're starting to ramble a bit now, aren't we?
1: Well, we ramble all the time. That's what we do.
0: (laughs) That's true. Right. um, So, I'm going to wrap this one up and we will focus again. Hopefully, in a couple of weeks' time. Or sooner, depending on the uh, time. On, um, sacred music, film scores, and video games. Sure. Or all in one go, depending on, um... Oh, there's a lot to
1: talk depending about. Depending on how we get on.
0: It. Um, and again as i alluded to at the beginning of of this um this episode the fact that we are in the strange times that we are in there are loads of um classical music um and culture streams actually available online at the minute um the london philharmonic orchestra who are um resident at the South Bank Centre, um, are doing a lot of online stuff at the moment, Met and Opera. the the Glyndebourne, um, festival as I said at the beginning, is available on YouTube at the moment.
1: Live in America, the Met Opera, have I don't know if it's streaming, uh, internationally, but since I know that yeah. picked up a few people across the pond.
0: I hope you enjoy what you're hearing on uh, back to reality. If you are, and I hope you are, you can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is R Harris11. You can follow the blog that accompanies this series which is com. listen along to the spotify playlist that accompanies this series with music tracks that i talk about in this series and share with everyone that you think will uh appreciate what i'm talking about um i hope to uh open up i hope i'm opening up to a, a totally new audience but also resonate with some seasoned listeners at the same time i hope you've enjoyed listening this week and i hope to have your company again on the next episode of Back to reality where i will be discussing more pieces of classical music.